in the West, we are richer than we've ever been before. We have more spending power. We have more opportunities, more freedom. But at the same time, we have more divorces, more depression, more suicides, more burnouts, more substance abuse and violence. We seem to be having more of everything else other than fulfillment. What's going on? We have the answer in the Old Testament book called the book of Jeremiah, written about 700 years before Christ. And in that book of Jeremiah, there's a remarkable description of the relationship between God and the ancient people of Israel. Israel was described as God's bride and God as her loving husband who was very faithful to her. But something strange happened. The people of Israel abandoned their God and sought after other gods in search of fulfillment. And the prophet Jeremiah uses explicit language to tell us about this breakdown in the relationship between God and the people of Israel. In chapter 3, verse 1, he accuses the people of Israel as, you have lived like a prostitute with many husbands. And God was faithful to his people, but his people abandoned him and sought after other gods in search of satisfaction and fulfillment. It was not a one-off momentary lapse. It, it happened repeatedly. And God said to, in, the word, in his word that his people, the ancient people of Israel, have committed two grave sins. Firstly, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. Secondly, he said, they have dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that couldn't hold water. In other words, what God is saying in his word is that the things that the ancient people of Israel exchanged for their God did not bring them lasting fulfillment. It was a callous betrayal of the Lord, of the God who loved them so dearly. But the shocking thing is, it is the picture of us even today. We should be living fulfilled lives with all our additional spending power, with all our opportunities, with all our freedom, with all our technological advances, but we don't because we seek after other things. We seek after money, we seek after career, we seek after education, pleasure, power, social status, we substance abuse, unguarded relationships, pornography, and many other 
idols that really rob us of our fulfillment. And every time, every time, they disappoint us. I'm not for a moment saying that parents should not educate their children or that you should not seek for carry opportunities in your work. But what the Bible says is that these things were never intended for us for, for, to give lasting fulfillment in our lives, to satisfy the deepest thirst of our souls. Looking for fulfillment in these things is just like licking the moisture in your kitchen sink, whereas you could live, drink water from the flowing tap. We have a cat called Minku at home, and she would jump into the kitchen sink and lick the moisture there, whereas she always had a bowl of water available for her. And I look at her and say, aren't you being silly? <laughs> and that's how perhaps God might look at us and say, aren't you being silly to go, for, go looking for satisfaction elsewhere other than in me who loves you so dearly. Friends, if we need lasting fulfillment, we must go to the God who describes himself in the book of Jeremiah as the spring of living water. Now, fast forward 700 years from the time of Jeremiah, and we come to the first century A.D., to the very passage that was read to us this morning from John chapter 4. There, by the side of a well, was seated the very God who described himself as the spring of living water in human form. Unknown and quite oblivious to that, a Samaritan woman draws, to, draws near to draw water from the well. And as you heard, the Jews and the Samaritans never got along. The Jews considered the Samaritans as religious and social outcasts because the Assyrians uh, drove the 10 tribes of, of the Jews from northern Israel and in their place settled the Samaritans. And the Jews considered the Samaritans as occupiers of their land that God gave to their forefather Abraham. And they hated them. But look at the way Jesus dealt with her. Jesus reaches out to her and asks her for a drink. And the Samaritan woman was shocked. You, being a Jew, asking for a drink from me? A Samaritan woman? If I were to put that in, in context today, it is just like a Hindu priestly person from, called a Brahmin on the highest caste there, asking for a drink from a Dalit woman whom they consider as an untouchable. It, it, is, it is so unthinkable in the Hindu world in the subcontinent today. And Jesus responds to the amazement of the woman by saying something quite radical. He, tell, he told her, if you knew the gift of God 
the gift of God. And who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And Jesus had not revealed himself as yet to the Samaritan woman as the very God who described himself as the spring of living water in the book of Jeremiah as yet. So the woman completely misses the point. She was thinking about the literal water in the well. She was thinking about the Jew and Samaritan divide. And she responded to him by saying, Sir, the water is, uh, the well is deep and you have nothing to draw water from. So how then are you going to give me this living water? And to that, Jesus said something very profound. He said, whoever drinks this water from this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will not thirst again. The water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you hear what Jesus is holding out to this Samaritan woman and also to the whole of humanity? An end to our spiritual thirst that people run after all their lives. That never-ending quest, that never-ending thirst to find fulfillment in our lives. Jesus is telling that woman, don't lick the moisture in your kitchen sink, which may be your education, your, your career, your money, your power, your position, your unguarded relationships, or any of those things which you seek after in search of satisfaction, which will never give you a lasting fulfillment in your lives. Come to the living water. Now as we read the passage further, we realized, we realized that this woman had a checkered past. She has had five husbands, and the man that she was living together with was not her husband. Do you realize why the Holy Spirit of God has put that there? Do you realize the significance of that? She's not only a messed up Samaritan woman, but she's, she personifies the ancient people of Israel as described by the prophet Jeremiah. She is a serial adulteress. She has lived with, like a prostitute with many husbands. She has dug for herself many sisters that couldn't hold water. She has sought for fulfillment everywhere else other than in the God who loves her. She is an exact representation of the ancient people of Israel as described by the prophet Jeremiah. But there's a deeper question there, friends. Why did the Holy Spirit of God, who inspired all scripture, choose a Gentile 
and the Samaritan woman as such to represent the ancient people of Israel who were God's people. That is because there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles alike have the same problem of rebellion against God. In fact, ever since Adam sinned, they ate the forbidden fruit, which, which figuratively describes um, their decision to choose what is good and what is evil in their lives apart from God's intervention in their lives. They were saying, I'm going to rely on my own judgment, God, no matter what you have said, I'm going to rely on me and my judgment. And ever since Adam and Eve made that decision, every man and every woman has an intrinsic desire to determine for themselves what is good and what is evil with their backs turned firmly against God. So what do we do? We go looking for satisfaction everywhere else other than in the God who loves us. For all of humanity, there is only one solution. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is a spring of living water. But look at the way that Jesus relates to this Samaritan woman who was a social outcast. She reaches out to her lovingly, tenderly, and with kindness, protecting her dignity. And he cuts across all the barriers, social barriers that we erect for ourselves. Color, caste, creed, culture, social status, um, moral high ground, you name it. He cuts across all of them and reaches out to this lonely soul who was outcast because he knows that he can give her the living water that satisfies the deepest cry in her life. Now, the story ends. Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman in the story ends with Jesus progressively revealing to the woman that he is indeed the Messiah, that she was expecting to come into the world. God's Messiah, who will break into this world in human form to defeat evil and to deal decisively with our sinfulness and usher in the kingdom of God or salvation, not only to the ancient people of Israel, but to the Gentiles from every nation, language, and culture, bringing together the Jews and Gentiles as one people of God under the headship of Christ. Look around us this morning. That's what you see. 
people from various countries, various languages, various cultures gathered together as one people of God under the headship of Christ. We are a microcosm of, of the kingdom of God that Jesus came to initiate. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't MBM the place to be on a Sunday morning? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. So, now in the meantime, uh, his disciples came back to Jesus after having bought some fruit from the, food from the adjoining town. And uh, when they saw Jesus talking to uh, a woman, and a Samaritan woman as such, uh, they were surprised. But they were quite reticent about it. And when they invited Jesus to eat with them, Jesus took that opportunity to speak to them about their mission here in the world. Uh, Jesus explained to them that the harvest of the souls has already begun in the history of salvation and that Jesus himself is playing an important role in the harvest of souls. In the future, he said, those who sow, the labors of those who sow the seeds of the gospel or the word of God, and those who bring people to Christ and establish them in the kingdom, the reapers will coincide. So that's because of that, we should not be disappointed when we speak about Jesus to others if they don't turn to Christ immediately. We should continue to sow the seeds of the gospel and the kingdom of God despite such apparent failures. Because who knows? Someone else has come around and lead them to Christ, cap um, capitalizing on our labor. And when Jesus eventually revealed to all of humanity, the sower and the reaper together will rejoice in him. So there is, that is what the conversation was all about. But while this conversation was going on, something else was happening at the background. The woman ran into the village and started to sow the seeds of the gospel or about the Messiah to the villagers very passionately. And when Jesus told his disciples, lift up your eyes and see the fields, they are ripe for harvest. And when the, G and the disciples lifted up their eyes, what did they see? The whole Gentile Samaritan village filing towards Jesus because of what they have heard from the Samaritan woman's mouth. They were coming to Jesus to check out whether the man seated, the, seated by the well was indeed God's promised Messiah. And the story ends with a statement by the villagers to the Samaritan woman. They said to the woman, 
We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard ourselves and we know that this man is indeed the savior of the world. Here's a classic example of the labors of the sower and the reaper coming together. And that's how the story ends. It's a nice story, isn't it? But what is it to us? How does it apply to us today? Friends, Jesus has just demonstrated to us that he could work with a social outcast, a person with a checkered past, as his instrument, as his vessel to drain the living waters to others and bring many to salvation. And because of that, every one of us here, without exception, has got work cut out for us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ passionately in our community, like the Samaritan woman. Look at what she did. She left her utensils by the well and ran into the village to speak to the people, the very people she was trying to avoid earlier. She was passionate for Jesus because she has found in him the Messiah. And she and that Messiah had satisfied the deepest cry in her soul. May I lovingly ask you, friends, this morning, are we passionate about Jesus and his gospel? Are we committed to the vision of MBM Ruti Hill to see lives transformed by the power of Jesus to the glory and honor of God the Father as we proclaim the gospel in the multicultural Western Sydney. There are many people in our community hurting very badly because they are looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. And would we please plead the case of Jesus with them, lovingly, with humility, with passion and conviction? That is the reason God has brought us here as a church. And if we do, perhaps the empty space at the back of this auditorium and the unused chairs will soon start filling up with people from various countries, languages, and cultures who have come to know the love of Christ and his salvation through the power of Christ to the glory and honor of God the Father through our ministry under God. May God help us to do just that. Let me pray for you. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross for us. 
Thank you, Lord, that he uses the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Lord, give us a conviction, Lord, that every one of us without exception has a role to play in bringing others to the kingdom of God. Father, we pray that you will lead this church to be boldly proclaim your gospel, to love one another as you have loved us, so that we can accomplish the mission for which you have called us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.